So during that last song that we did, I started having major, major hot flashes, started dying. And now the hot flashes are done and I'm freezing cold. <laughs> so we got to fix the sleeves now so that the arms are back covered. We're going to finish First Thessalonians uh, today. Uh, we're going to finish up chapter 5. Um, and, and, and if you remember, we've talked a lot about, okay, some kind of, we'll call it metaphysical, but it's more, okay, this is what the Bible says. You know, we talked a lot, we talked about the rapture and stuff like that. This last one, Paul talks a lot about what should you do. If you remember when we went through, I think it was uh, either Philemon or Philippians, I forget which one, the first three quarters of the book, he spends a lot of time talking about, you know, reasons for things, and then the last little bit, he goes, now, because of all of that, here's what you should do. He does essentially the same thing here. So let's read it. We're in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 18, and the, the, uh, the, the header in my Bible is Christian conduct. So if you call yourself a Christian, this is what you should be doing. This is how you should conduct yourselves. It reads, but we request you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and, all, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to give this letter, to get, have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's dive into this. So number one on your sheets, number one on your notes there, pertaining to leaders. He says, listen, appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. This church, I can't speak to the previous pastors. I'm not them and I was not around for them. I can only talk about me. Right, And I can say that you all have always, over the past two years, treated me extremely well. I would say, if I was grading you guys on this first part of it, you'd get an A+. That's not to say, now here's the thing, this does not say let them do whatever they want to, and don't correct any wrongdoings, and don't, no. But it does say to appreciate them, and I've always felt appreciated by you guys. I've always felt loved by you guys, and I know that there have been a couple of moments when that hasn't necessarily been the easiest thing. That's okay. To be honest, there has been some times when it hasn't been the easiest to love you guys either. We're all human. That's the way it works. But Paul says, listen, you need to make sure that you're appreciating your leaders. I've said more than once that I am more than willing to take the brunt of whatever spiritual attacks and stuff like that Satan wants to send our way at this church. That's part of my job. 
It's part of a job that nobody tells you about, but luckily I had been in ministry long enough that I already knew about it and had a father who had done ministry, a mom who had done ministry, an uncle who's been a pastor for 40 years. I had a decent idea going in. But you need to appreciate and love your your pastors and your other Christian leaders because they get the snot beat out of them at every turn. They don't need you to do it too, to be frank. Again, that doesn't mean you don't correct them when they do something wrong. That's what the diaconate and such is for. And the trustee board. That's how we have our, our breakdown in this church. Other churches are different, obviously. But you appreciate them. Your goal is not to make their job harder. Your goal is to make their job a little bit easier. And Paul says appreciate them because they're the leader. Because they're the ones that are going forth. They're the ones that are walking in front of everybody else. They're the ones that get hit. And I have to say, you guys, I've always felt loved and appreciated by you. I encourage you, please keep it up. That would be really nice. But that doesn't just pertain to me here in this church. Any spiritual leader, you need to encourage them and love them. Yes, there are some who aren't necessarily preaching the gospel. I'm not talking about them. But I am talking about men and women. I'm I'm talking about me, and you guys do this with mom as well. You need to do it with mom too. Because she takes the brunt of everything with the kids. She faces, to be frank, she faces a lot more than I do because parents are worse than just normal adults. Let's be honest. It's the way it works. And it's good. Parents need to be be strong for their kids and stuff, and they want things a certain way. Okay. Not saying that any of the parents here are causing her mass amounts of agita, as my dad would put it, but anxiety, in case you don't know what that word means. But she faces stuff too, and, and, and we need to admonish our leaders, keep them strong. Because if your leaders fail, so will you. Sheep are stupid. We're all sheep, to be frank. Some of us, God said, okay, you get to lead the sheep. You're still a sheep, but you get to lead them. But we're still sheep. And without a leader, we'll just flounder around for a while. That's the way it works. Now, of course, we know God is our ultimate leader, right? God is our shepherd. Christ is our shepherd, the one who ultimately leads us. But when you have no direct spiritual leadership in your life, you're going to start to flounder. Now, some of that comes from me. Some of it comes from mom. If you go to women's group or, and stuff like that, or sometimes if you, all you have to do is have a conversation with her. My direct spiritual leadership comes from people like my dad or my uncle and a few, uh, one professor from college that I still keep in contact with when I can. We all have it, and we all need it, and we need to encourage them and love them because they face things that we can't understand. Those people face things that I can't understand, and so I love them through it. And to be a little bit more uh, open, I guess you could say, leaders are humans too. And they're going to mess up. And there's going to be days when they're fighting everything. Why? Because they're human. This has come up a lot. I know you guys know how much I love sports. And this has come up a lot over the past month or so in the sports world because we like to put athletes on a pedestal and act like they can't do anything wrong and they're these perfect humans. They're not. They're humans too. And they're facing the same type of things that we are. And we need to treat them like humans and love them like humans, just as we do our leaders, just as we do call them followers, if you'd like to. 
It's hard to hear because you're going, well, I want to be a leader. Trust me, you don't. Leadership is not fun. Now, I like it, but it's not fun. But I appreciate all that you guys have done for me. And I would say you guys do a great job at that first part. I'm not going to say you do a bad job at the other parts, just so you know. But I wanted to let you guys know that I appreciate and love you guys for how much you have appreciated and loved me over the past uh, year and a half to two years. So that was number one, pertaining to leaders. Number two, pertaining to others. We urge you, brethren, I'm in verse 14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. And he keeps going there, we'll, and we'll dive into that. First off, I want to go with the first thing he says there. Admonish the unruly. What does he mean by that? I had to really look into that because I was like, well, what does that mean? Sometimes it, it seems to be best understood by scholars and stuff to mean this. Unruly is not the best word they could have chosen. Idle seems to be, like I-D-L-E, not I-D-O-L. Idle seems to be the best word that most scholars believe. And what Paul is saying there is, listen, there are some among you who say, Jesus is coming quickly, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit back and wait. And he says, no, 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 no. Those people, you need to admonish them. You need to encourage them. Keep going. If you remember, we talked about that last week. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, so you better do as much as you can now because it could be the next moment. Some people seem to have the opposite point of view. It could be the next moment, so I better just sit back and do nothing. Right, it's that idea when, when, when uh, I almost said when Paul, when Jesus uses the, uh, the, the, the parable and the, the landowner gives the money, the three sets of money, and the third guy, right, he buries it because he doesn't want to lose it. That is what these people are essentially doing. And Paul says you need to admonish them, pick them up, encourage them to keep working. Keep going because you don't know when Jesus is going to be there. Encourage the faint-hearted. And listen, all of us are faint-hearted. At one time or another. You're going to be faint. Or you might be faint hearted right now. There are some days when I'm faint hearted. It doesn't matter if you were Paul. It doesn't matter if you're me. It doesn't matter if you're Mike Zeck. Who became a, 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 a Christian about a month ago. You're going to get faint hearted at times. It's just the way of it. We're human. So encourage the ones that are. And if you are in a moment. Paul doesn't say this here. But he says it elsewhere. If you are in a moment when you're faint-hearted, don't hide it. Swallow your pride and admit that you need some help. It's okay. Now here, this is coming from a person who was raised by, and you know I love my dad so much. He's a great man, but he's a stubborn man. He does not like to have people do things for him. He does not want people to know if he's sick, if he's feeling down, if he's having trouble. He doesn't want people to know because he wants to be the one to do things. He has a great sense of honor and of duty. And he passed that along to me. And when you say it as honor and duty, it sounds great. But when you call it what it is, stubborn pig-headedness, it's not great anymore. I'm like him in that I don't like it. I don't want people to know when I'm struggling. I'd much rather put on the happy face... And go about it and live my day. Because to, to be honest, I've lived that a lot. And I know I can get through it. I could get through it a whole lot faster though if I relied on somebody else. I want to encourage you. If you are in that faint-hearted moment, a faint-hearted moment in time, 
feel free to share it. I'm not telling you you have to share it with the entire body of Christ, right? The Bible never says share everything you are dealing with with every single Christian. That wouldn't be wise. But you need to have people you can share it with. You need that people you can trust that they can encourage you then afterwards. We call them accountability partners at times, and that's part of what they do. If you're married, you have a built-in person to do that because you've got a spouse. That's the way that it works. But encourage the faint-hearted. We're all going to be faint-hearted at times. Encourage them. Lift them up. We're going to talk about this. We'll talk about it right now because it says, seek what is good for others. Listen, I've heard this a lot, and this is going, this is playing into this and do it lifting other people up. I've heard this a lot. You know, well, where does it end? How far should I go for somebody? I don't know. How far did Jesus go for you? Pretty sure he died for you. Other people, and this, this is hard for me to hear, but it's truth. Other people are more important than you. That's just the long and the short of it. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take some time for yourself at times. Jesus went off alone sometimes to recoup. But he also poured everything he had into people. Sorry, you don't get to go take time alone to recoup if you haven't been pouring into people. That's just not how that works. Other people are more important than you. That's what I tell myself when I'm going, well, I can handle this. I have to pick other people up. It plays off of each other. You pick other people up, they pick you up. That's how that works. But go the extra mile, right? We know when it says the extra mile, I don't know if I've told you this before. Some of you might already know this. But the idea of the extra mile was back in that time, a Roman soldier could walk up to any citizen, take off their pack, hand it to the person, and say, carry it. And they had to carry it for one mile. And it was so, uh, the Jews hated the Romans so much that they would literally know how, full, how many steps it took that person to go one mile. They would walk the mile drop the pack and turn around. They would not go any further. And Jesus said, go the extra mile, meaning carry that pack a little longer. It's more important than your pride. Now, am I saying that the Roman soldiers, some of them weren't using it as a means of putting down the Jews or, or whatever uh, area they were in? No, of course not. But I am telling you that even if somebody's doing that, carry it the extra mile. Pick it up and carry it. That's the way of what a Christian is. It doesn't fit in today's world. Today's world says that there's the amount of times I've seen things that say stuff like, don't cross an ocean for somebody that wouldn't jump a puddle for you. No, cross that ocean because Christ would have and Christ is in you. You're not called to be like everybody else. You're called to be like Christ. You need to know your limits. You need to know when it's time to take a step back. You need to know when it's okay to say no. Right? If somebody said, Pastor. Now, some, I'm, I haven't called this out yet, but up here, over here, Grandma Ray made that. It's beautiful. I love it. I think it's great. If somebody came to me and said, Pastor Sam, I think you should quilt someone for that side. I would say, I think you're wrong. I can't quilt to save my life. I could probably learn. If I really dedicated myself to it, it wouldn't look good, but I could get it done. But that's not a strength of mine. That's just not. So what you do is you say, you know what, I can't do that, but 
maybe we can find somebody else that can. That's part of what ministry is, knowing what you're good at and being part of that. For a long time, you know, nobody would necessarily ask me to run the, uh, the, the, the women's breakfast. There's many problems with that. First off, I'm a guy. So there's a problem there. But I'm also not the strongest of small group leaders. I'm a much better teacher slash professor sort of person. I'm much better at doing this than I am at sitting down with three people and all of us having this group discussion together. I'm not great at leading the group discussion. That's not my strong suit. I'm more than happy to be a part of the discussion, but leading it is not where I'm strongest. There are others that are stronger than me at that, so they should do that, because that's where Christ has gifted them. Know your limits. Know what you're good at. Know what Christ has gifted you. But go the extra mile within those things. Go that extra mile so that it's more comfortable for somebody else. Other people are more important than you. Other people are more important than me. That's what being a Christian means. Christ-like, little Christ. Christ went the extra mile for everybody. He met people where they were. He didn't make them come to him. He continues on, right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Let's, let's handle pray without ceasing real quick. We're, gonna, we're almost done. I know we're, we're running short on time, so we're almost done. Pray without ceasing. I want to hit that real quick because when I was a kid, right, I always was like, so you're just literally never supposed to stop praying? How can you do anything else? I can't commit my brain to just praying. It doesn't mean to be consistently always praying. What it means is never be in a time in your life when you're not praying and never have a time during the day when you can't pray. And I found it easiest for me you know, we like to, we like to have our, our long prayers or our, or our, our quote, holy prayers. Where the, Dear Father up in heaven, oh God. No, don't do that. But I used to just go, all right, God, can you help me through this? Because I'm really upset right now. I used to, when I worked at Red Robin, and everybody knew what was happening. I'd be on the line. I'd be doing something. I'd stop. I would turn and face the wall for about five seconds. And then I'd turn and go back to work. And eventually everybody learned, oh, Sam's praying because he's about to blow a gasket and he really doesn't want to do that right now. But that's what praying without ceasing means. It means just these tiny little prayers throughout your day. You don't have to act all holy for God. He knows you're not. Well, actually you are. You're set apart. That's what holy means. But he knows you're not this, this, he knows you. You don't have to pretend with him. So you don't have to start your prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Okay, it's good to pray the Lord's Prayer sometimes. But you don't have to start that way. You can just start with, God, I'm at my wit's end. That's all you have to say. You don't even have to ask him for something. You can just say, God, I'm at my wit's end. And then you keep going. Just talk to him. That's what that means. And then lastly, well, so number one was pertaining to leaders. Number two was pertaining to others. Lastly, pertaining to the Spirit. The Spirit, and this is the Holy Spirit. Do not, I'm in verse 19, do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. Do not quench the Spirit. Legalism quenches the Spirit. Putting God in a box he does not put himself in quenches the spirit. Living in active sin quenches the spirit. Let's start there. 
don't quench the spirit. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we have a fairly set order of service. Nope, that's good. But if you notice, it's a set order of service that is not written down anywhere, except for in our bulletins where I believe it's, it's a worship offering and word, I think, is what we chose. I don't know if it's still in there. Why? Because we can reorder that however we want to. And if I feel in a moment that God wants us to do something, we've got to be able to do it. We do the same thing every Sunday, and it's great. I love it. I hope you do. But i got to be able to work if the Spirit wants to work. Don't quench it. And then it continues on, because you know what else quenches the Spirit? Despising prophetic utterances. Notice Paul doesn't say everything somebody says is truth. What he says is don't despise them. Take them back to Scripture. If somebody tells you something, the very first thing that you should do is pick up this book and make sure that whatever they have said is in alignment with this. Jesus will never, I'm going to put God in a box here, and this is a box he puts himself in. He will never go against his written word. Never. Not once has he, and he never will. That's a box you can put God in. There's a few boxes you can put God in. You can put him in the box of he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why? He said he wouldn't. That's a promise from God. So you can put him in that box. He'll fit nicely in there. He fits in that box that he will not go against his word. So if somebody says something, and here's the thing. I'm talking about if they say it in English. I'm talking about if they say it in tongues. I'm talking about whatever. If somebody comes to you and says, listen, God said, God, I feel God wants this. I feel God wants to say this. Take it back to scripture. If it fits in with scripture, you can go to the next step. If it doesn't, throw it out. Doesn't matter what, I don't care what they said. If it doesn't fit with scripture, throw it out. Now just because it fits in scripture doesn't mean it's true either. Because they could say something that's technically Christian, but isn't what God wants for you right now. That's when it comes into your prayer life. Who is the person? What do they want? This goes down as a prophetic utterance, while it's not necessarily prophetic utterance in what we like to think of it today. My dad knew when I was three years old I was going to be a pastor. Three years old. 22 years ago, he knew. Is it scriptural? Yep, past, pastors exist. They do. They're in here. They're called bishops. means shepherd, okay? So we know that it's scriptural. But did that necessarily mean it was true for my life? Now, obviously it was. But if he had said the same about Linnea, that's not true, at least to this point. Maybe one day you'll be a pastor. I don't know. But to that point, it hasn't been true. But it fits in with Scripture. A pastor. Okay. So that's a very simple example. It can get way harder than that. But don't quench the Spirit. Whether it be in a prophetic utterance or whether whether it be in the sense of, 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 of the service of, on a Sunday morning, of what he wants you to do, don't quench him. Let him roam free. Let him do what he wants to do. When you're in the grocery store and the Spirit says, hey, why don't you invite them? Quenching the Spirit is going, no, not today. That's quenching the Spirit. When you feel that you should text or call somebody just to let them know you're thinking and praying for them, and you go, no, it's all right. I'll do it later. That's quenching the spirit. It's little things like that too. It can be big things. 
like it has to do with a Sunday morning. That can be quenching the spirit. But Paul says, listen, in light of everything we've learned, in light of everything Christ has done, in light of everything, listen, appreciate and love your leaders. Admonish, encourage, be patient, and seek the good of others. And above all else, don't quench the spirit. Because if you don't do either of those things, you'll be quenching the spirit. I hope you've enjoyed our walk through uh, 1 Thessalonians. I have. Uh, we're gonna, uh, we'll do a few things here over the next couple of weeks as we lead up to Easter in a little bit over a month. Uh, hopefully, if you'll notice on the back of your bulletins, we've got our sunrise service and everything there uh, so you can know timing and stuff for that as well. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I have. Uh, I was talking with, with Rip this morning. First Thessalonians just kind of seems, it doesn't get the, the gravitas that Romans does and all these other books in the New Testament. You know, it's kind of a, it's a middling book in a lot of our eyes sometimes. But I hope you can see, and we didn't even cover everything, just how chock full it is. We're going to pray. We're not going to do a closing song because we're six minutes over today. Sorry. You know, if we hadn't done communion this morning, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Uh, for today. I thank you for the letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. This one and obviously the second one, though we didn't walk through that one at this point in time. But I thank you that you inspired him to write it and that we can learn from it today some 2,000 years later. Father, I, I ask that you would help us, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boil it down to, help us not to quench the Spirit. Help us to live a life and work in a way that allows the Spirit to move and do what He wants. The will of God. Father, we praise You. It's in the name of Your Son we pray. Amen and amen.